Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whatever you should happen to find this. Welcome to the Quote of Arms podcast, where we talk about people's favorite tribes, what they mean to them, how they work, and <clears throat> how that relates to the community. So today I'm joined by... Clams, uh, uh, or uh, Taylor, as my uh, mother calls me. Awesome. Uh, <clears throat> glad to have you, Clams, or Taylor, or whichever you wish to be called. <laughs> I go by that moniker on online. So if you if you see me on on Commander Herald or something, it's it's clams. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're not clamming up today. Hopefully I you don't get Michael. hopefully you don't get too clammy while we're talking about this because this <laughs> is supposed to be a pretty casual conversation. Hey, I got this. I got this. No clamming up. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So today we are talking about. Uh, we are talking about sh- uh, shapeshifters, uh, my favorite creature type in Magic: The Gathering. Oh, awesome! I thought we were going to talk about the. Uh, we were talking about clam people, but uh, no more Alexander Clam Bell. Uh, I don't think he's I do. Really I, well I do have an Alexander Hamilton EDH deck. Don't oh, you worry nice. about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would love to see that in action sometime. But we're talking about <laughs> shapeshifters, which technically are also clams, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> nice. So, what are shapeshifters like in Magic? Um, shapeshifters are, um, to me, uh, a very fun creature type. I, uh, there aren't a lot of creature types I have, um, latched onto because usually you are playing a, if you're playing a tribal deck of some sort, you are so focused on the mass of your board state to get the most effects that affect each of those creatures. Shapeshifters rely largely on your opponent's deck or how you've set up your deck. But I, I the way I like to play it is, is your opponent. Um, I think that is a very fun, um, kind of surprising way to um, play a game. Instead of just focusing entirely on your stuff, you are um, using your opponent's deck against them in a lot of ways. Um, okay, so before you... we get too far into that, there's a creature that might have the subtype shapeshifter. What do shapeshifters do? Um, shapeshifters usually, uh, when they come into the battlefield, uh, take on the form of another creature on the battlefield or another permanent in some cases. Um, that's, that is the most consistent thing shapeshifters have in common, is ETB enters the battlefield as a copy of a target creature on either the battlefield or that you control. So shapeshifters come in, you say, as a copy? Of uh, as... Or... Uh, yeah, as a copy. Okay. I, I, let me see if that's the correct wording. Okay. So um, initially, that's what a lot of shapeshifters were like. They came in copying something else that was already out. Yes. There's a couple of different kinds of shapeshifters, to my knowledge. So they, there are the kinds that just uh, are like doppelgangers of something that are already out. And then there are kinds that just have uh, that have the changeling ability. Yes. Which are a little um, different. I believe they're also considered shapeshifters, though. They are, they are all shapeshifters by default, um, but the, the changeling um, rules text gives them every, uh, 
creature type. So um, I think that that's a that's a similar similar um, thing that you know now this thing's in play and it is an elf and a scarecrow and a clan folk, you know, and I I think that's flavorfully similar to entering the battlefield as a copy, but I think you know when it comes to balancing, that's that's a little bit more fair. If you're going to have a whole tribe of shapeshifters, their ability can't be they all come in as copies because that's there's nothing nothing to work off there. So, so you're talking about shapeshifters as clones. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there's there's things like Morphling and, and cards that fluctuate um, uh, uh, assets of their card, like power and toughness or color. Um, there's, there's plenty of cards like that, uh, Morphling, Enderling, greater morphling, you know, uh, that's another, that's another class of, of shapeshifters, I believe. Okay. Um, so some of them copy the form of other creatures that are already out. Yes. Some of them are able to adjust their own statistics. Uh, and some of them are, uh, and some of them are just amorphous blobs that technically are considered to be different creature types. Correct. Yeah. And they all have their own uh, niches. They all have their own decks. Yeah. And they're all equally interesting, really. Yeah. Um, I, I think that design-wise, they've all been designed very um, uh, clearly, which is, is, is hard because it's when you, when you give the design team uh, at Magic, like, oh, you're making elves, you're making elves, or you're making goblins very clear, very clear cut, and you can look at goblins from alpha all the way up to, to, to modern day, and they all clearly are elves. Shapeshifters as a tribe are a little bit more tricky to depict visually and, and flavorfully in mechanics, but I think Magic has done a very good job giving character to these otherwise amorphous characters. I think mimics are as well from uh, Shadowmoor and Eventide. So, it all. So it's interesting how they keep changing what a um, what a shapeshifter is depending on the culture that they're talking about. Like uh, yeah. one of the more recent examples was bringing back changeling with uh, Nordic culture. Yeah. Um, I uh, I've always been a big fan of um, of Celtic mythology, being raised by Scottish and Irish immigrants myself um but I've, I've always been aware of the tales of changelings from from different cultures there are, changeling is more of a catch-all term um in the uh you know uh mystical world um like there are things that are considered changelings in scotland and and then there's scandinavian and there's african and there's um, subsets, German, you know, there, there are changelings all around the world because it's just this sort of general idea of trickster elves or trolls that steal babies and change shapes and, and, and play tricks by pre pretending to be other people. Yeah, Crib Swap so, is a great example. Say again? Crib Swap is a great example. Crib Swap is a fantastic, fantastic removal card. And it's, it's, that is literally the, the main. Uh, theme of changelings around the world is stealing and replacing babies with with something that that isn't. Ooh, lovely! And I it's know. quite spooky. A little spooky, but yeah, yeah. I think um, 
I I loved the um, the changelings from Lorwyn, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I loved them so much, and I really I really had had settled into this sort of acceptance where ah we're never gonna see changelings again. They're never they're never gonna bring them back. But um, I had hopes when they when they talked about uh, um, call time because I I. Trolls in Scandinavian folktales usually take on the um, the changeling archetype. Uh, the if you've ever seen Frozen, um, the the trolls in Frozen that that help uh, uh, Anna or Elsa. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. Um, lose lose her memories to prevent herself from freezing everything. Those are technically Scandinavian Scandinavian changelings. Um, but they're, they're very different from African or Scottish changelings. Um, so I had, I had a hope because I knew changelings as a, as an archetype existed in, in Norse and Scandinavian folklore, that they would come back and, and they brought them back in a very, very unique, magically, magic feeling way. And I I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier. Awesome. So we've gone over basically the three different kinds, um, now when we get to the like statistics and mana values, those change around as well. True. Uh, um, so most of the clones, I believe, uh, do not have power and toughness or have printed power and toughness of zero because they're copying whatever it is that they're copying. Yeah, or or usually uh, in some cases they have um, uh, a zero x modifier or zero y a zero y modifier. Um, with a toughness that exists, so they can they can be bigger or stronger copies of something else, um, but usually not in the, in the uh, sense of power. It's usually toughness. Um, but yeah, usually most shapeshifters that are clones, like Phyrexian Metamorph or Clone, um, are all zero zeros. Yep, and then um, so <clears throat> there. So those don't necessarily have the high statistics, but they have. Um, so, but they absorb. They take on the, the the statistics of whatever they're copying, which means that there isn't really a limit to how big they can be. Right. It is worth noting that it changes their base statistics, but um, they are not modified if the creature was modified. Correct. Using they the, just take on the new the, term, the core uh, core traits of of the card they're copying. Yeah. Using the using the new term, right? Yes. <laughs> they are not yeah. modified. <laughs> Yes, yes, that exists now, so. Yep. So, something has giant growth on it, you don't copy the giant growth. Correct. Uh, We usually have a mana value, uh, I mean, there are a couple that are really cheap, but they'll either have a mana value of 4 plus or have some sort of a negative to them. Yeah, uh, um, I think the the average for shapeshifters in the clone sense are uh, four, four mana, three or four mana is is the go to mana cost for um, most clones, and then for the morphling morphling type of card with the you know list of uh, activated abilities, those are usually five, uh, and then changelings vary because they're they're an actual. Um, class of creatures so and they have more print yeah so they have they're, they're more related to their printed power and toughness 
Correct, yeah. One of the funnier stories I can think of that involves a, a changeling was... Uh, I I used to be a, a pro player, and that one, of the, one of my first major events I went to was during Shadow Mordlock. And <clears throat> Black Green Elves was a big deck, and they had uh, Chameleon Colossus. It was one of their star creatures. Love that card. At the time, I couldn't really afford it. Or I wasn't really sure if I wanted to buy into the game enough to afford it. Sure. So I played a five-color elemental stack uh, in Block Constructed with a single copy of Goat Napper on the sideboard. <laughs> Wound up going Got five one. into winning my last match by stealing a Chameleon Colossus with Goat Napper. That's pretty nice. you got to grab that goat. <laughs> yep. Uh, and got a high five from one of the goats, uh, Pat Chapin, who was at the same table. <laughs> one of my favorite magic memories. <laughs> no, that's great. I think I, that's 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 something that may only exist in that game you played. I don't I don't know many people who played. Uh, that was Modern Horizons, right? No, this is uh, okay. So Chameleon Colossus was from the Lauren. I think it was from Lauren of Morning Tide. This right, was, but, but Goat, Goat Napper was from Modern Horizons? No, Goat Nap was in Modern Horizons. It's oh, a reference, yes, 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 yes. It's a reference yeah, to yeah. Goat Napper, which was from Lorwyn. Oh, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. It was a goblin that could steal a goat. Right, I'm getting confused because the <laughs> art on Goat Nap is a goblin riding a goat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the action that he was doing, but Goat Napper... Well, it was the creature that stole it. That's funny, because I, I don't remember a lot of goats other than changelings in Lorwyn. There was uh, that Kithkin uh, with, with Chroma that came in and, and made goats based on the white pips on your cards. So I remember that's like the only goat card I remember it. And, uh, pasture pasture, I think. Oh, you're right, right, right. Um, yes. That's right. It's still that I'm steering off reference. It's like, why would you ever put that in the sideboard? Well, because it works <laughs> against a card that I can't afford. It's one of the few cards that can beat me because my best removal was Shriekmaw, which is black. It's yours now. It's yours <laughs> now. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so, changelings, yeah, that you live and die by the sword with them, but there are also some really cool decks that you can make with the, with changelings. Yes. Um, one of the cool ones to come out of uh, Kaldheim was Morit of the Frost. Uh, I, you know, I liked Morit of the Frost when I saw it, because I'm like, wow, we got, we have three legendary changelings now. Um, but I've, I've actually never found a home for Morit of the Frost in any of my decks. So, uh, Ben that... Doolittle, who writes for Commander Herald, um, is also in my server and is frequently in, is frequently on my streams. He made a really cool deck uh, that used Morit with different uh, tribal lords, especially with Ayula. It was kind of ah, like a, gotcha, gotcha. It was kind of like a Simic Ayula deck, really. Like you've just thrown out those those bears, those big snowy bears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the deck was really cool and had, had some interesting synergies like that, but it was really designed around Ayula. Yeah, I 
See, I, I, I get that. Um, I just don't like that line of text on, on Morit that says, permanent you control. I don't like that rule. Um, I think a, a, a shapeshifter should come in as anything. I, I think, especially since it's already, you know, I mean, I get it. It's a strong card. It's, it's, it's snow. It's legendary. Um, it's got changeling. But I think that, that little caveat just sort of ruins the card for, for me. Because there have been games uh, when it when it came out into standard and I was playing it in standard because um, I was so excited to have changelings back. I I cast it and I didn't realize that that line of text was on it until mm. it was in, on the battlefield and I'm like, oh, shoot! I got nothing else. In the, I got a copy of land. <laughs> shoot. As we're uh, shortly after it came out, I really did not like uh, progenitors. I think was it um, the progenitor mimic. Sorry. Regenerative Mimic used to really bother me because it was, okay, I have a copy of whatever your best thing is, and I'm going to get an extra copy of it every turn. Yeah. Which started to frustrate me a little bit because I went through all this effort to make a cool thing, and you're like, okay, five, I think it was six mana, I have the same thing, and get it every turn. Yeah. Yeah. With no additional effort. But I, I, I think that flavorfully works for... Um... A, a, a Simic card. Um, yeah. It feels right to me. It, it feels okay. It, it it just felt overpowered at the time. Not necessarily sure. that it still is, but... And it also, subject to the legend rule, which is uh, particularly important now, because you can't just, like, get a Galta every turn. Yeah, don't, don't let Richard Garfield hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I would have to agree with him on the on the fact that I think the uh, legend rule is a little silly, but um, I digress. Uh, I I like that the legend rule exists. I kind of preferred it the way it used to be, um, where you could you could blow up something if you had the same thing. Uh, even and that's still even the exact same thing, but if it was the same character. Right, right. I don't necessarily like the image of we have several different copies of the same character from different time periods out at the same time. Granted, it does sure. allow things like uh, a best friend has a, uh, a Chandra deck. So yeah. you can have a bunch of different Chandras out. And I don't really have a huge problem with that, except it feels a little weird. Uh, you see, see, I think, I think, you know, in a, in a world of magic, and you are a planeswalker casting spells and summoning deities and demons and goblins um having having two tajiks on the battlefield doesn't feel out of place to me um or, or yeah having two legendary creatures of any type because well clones exist um you you you, you have a world in which you can copy creatures you have that magic ability so i i that's that's my two cents on on the matter. And then I guess the question comes in: Why bother with the legendary super type? Um, I think I think um, uh, I've heard Mark Rosewater say that it just just being um, kind of uh, rules text that um, uh, plays off of other cards, like 
uh, historic is a, is a good example of, of a of a mechanic that plays off of legendary creatures and I and and of course uh, the the legend rule stuff from Dominaria as well. You know you can't cast this this sorcery unless it uh, you have a legendary creature. I think having it as a card type by itself has enough flexibility in the design of the game that you can you can do a lot of cool stuff with it without having it have a a negative. Um, maybe without if having it was it supported have, yeah. out of outside of one set. Say again. So maybe if it was supported outside of one set. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um, but but also, um, I you know, like previous with that with I am, um, if, if I had to describe my my character, my play character, I am I am a Vorthos, mm-hmm. true and true. So um, just having that, having the legendary creature super type, to me is 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 cool enough uh, where i don't need it represented because i i i do play for the story i do i do play um to get involved in the the greater narrative that they're telling through these cards um like i i wouldn't feel too out of place playing uh uh um Ward of the frost in call time because i'm like i'm playing around as a planeswalker in this in this cold norse world and I'm just calling a, a, calling on this guy, and oh, he he's legendary. He's really powerful. I'm all about that. Um, so uh, I'm legendary doesn't necessarily mean really powerful. No, no, true. But like it, it, it well, yeah, yeah. The old legend cards, um, which which are just like you know, eight mana for a two two with a vanilla two two, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I digress. And there's also the line of thinking where, like, AEG games, uh, Alderac Entertainment Group, used to have cards that were, were put cards as unique, as they were supposed to represent uh, a legendary person. Yeah. Right, right, right. But in a game where you're playing, like, Elder Dragon Highlander, uh, <clears throat> you only get one copy of a card anyways. Right. So it's not, it's not even that big of an issue. In, in that format. Oh, also, um, you can't make it seem any more unique than anything else because you only get one copy of anything. I I, just, I think, yeah, I, in, in something like Standard or Modern, having two legendary creatures out at a time causes problems with the game um, in, in a way that, like, R&D would have to really, really... They would, they would probably struggle to balance cards. Like... Um, uh, what what was her name from uh, Ikoria, the uh, the Boros one armed girl, Winota. Winota. If you, if you had two Winotas out, nah, that would that would harm harm gameplay immeasurably. So I, I see I see it from that perspective too. Yes, uh, however, they already have started to go around that with like Spark Double. Right, I love Spark Double. Great shapeshifter. So. Go into blue, and you can have two Winotas. There you go. Some Jeskai Winota <laughs> nonsense. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Jeskai deck Winotas. <laughs> Oy. So, one of the cool things that clone decks can do um, is, even with the legend rule, is you can get into some really cool chains... Uh, with, say, Jiruda. That was an awesome thing that I, I got to see, actually, 
before yeah. the card was uh, before the card was widely available. Uh, was a, a proxy deck made with it. Yeah, that um, that cycle with Teruda and and Spark Double is is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, your your deck starts playing itself, and that is peak magic to me. So with uh, Teruda, the way that, that functions is. You cast your root at each player and mills a certain number of cards, and then you can return a creature uh, with an even mana value that was milled this way to the battlefield. Uh, if you return a clone, then you clone Jeruda, and then you go legend rule and get the end of the battlefield effect and continue going through, milling everybody until you get certain uh, until you get basically the certain set that setup that you want. Or have gone far enough where there's nothing really to return. Uh, <clears throat> so my version of it that I made was actually Sultai because it took a long time for me to find a Sultai commander that I actually wanted to play. <laughs> so I made uh, Sidisi. Oh, Sidisi with uh, Garuda is is it partner or just in the ninety nine? Garuda's uh, the companion. Okay. Yeah, sorry, companion, not partner. Yep, uh, that's okay. So, <clears throat> what that deck, so what that deck does is, while it's going through those iterations, Sidisi is seeing all the creatures going to the graveyard, and is building up a zombie army. So even if I don't mill everybody, I'm able to create a giant army. I've done some things before, like uh, Spark Double Sidisi, and then go off. And make two zombies for every creature milled. That's pretty good. That yeah. is pretty nice. <clears throat> yeah, that deck actually wound up being pretty strong. It's another one of my unsummoned decks because uh, I can unsummon City. Or I can unsummon Jiruda and recast it if I don't have any more clones. Right. Right. I can also do that to protect it, because otherwise it goes to the graveyard and there's not a lot of ways to get it back. No. (laughs) Especially since you're locked into even mana values if you're using it as a companion. There are some really cool ones, though, like Dread Return. Because you're going to have a lot of spare bodies, most of which are summoning six, so pop three of them. One of the things I like about Changelings is, is there's so many cards that can get specific creature types back from the graveyard. Um, mm-hmm. so Patriarch's that's, Bidding I, was one of the originals. Say again? Patriarch's Bidding was one of the originals. Yes. It doesn't even uh, matter what a, anybody else get a goblin, goblin back, right? It doesn't even matter what anybody names, because you just get everything back anyways. <laughs> um, and with Changelings, one of the cool decks that I've seen built with them before, because you can just play all of them you want, um, is uh, Scarecrow King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Love Scarecrow King. Um, Scarecrow yeah. King, whenever a Scarecrow comes in, blows up a permanent, right? Yep. Uh, which, is, which is insane. I, I, I was playing with my uh, Angel EDH that recently, and I, I dropped down Reaper King. And um, for two turns, my opponents just sort of let it sit because they just thought I was buffing my creatures or could destroy their creatures. And they didn't have many creatures in the battlefield, so they weren't too worried about it. And then I blew up someone's um, uh, Temple of Malady. Uh, they were playing Golgari or something, and, and they were like, it was their only black source at the time, and they were like, that says permanent? Yep. That says destroy target 
permanent? Yeah, yeah, it does. Anytime I play a changeling, um, uh, one of your things, whatever it is, uh, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, do sometimes need to check to make sure the table's okay with mass land destruction, but yeah. <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess you're right. You gotta be, you know, it's a, it's a community game, so you gotta know what people are okay with. But. Just being mindful of the audience. It doesn't mean you don't play it. It just means you, <laughs> the people are wary of what's going on. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe say something like, well, it has to destroy permanent, so I'll leave the lands for last. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm avoiding using mass land destruction because I'm not going to play my deck poorly just because you don't have enough permanents. Correct. Yeah. Um, most most of the playgroups I play with are okay with uh, mass land destruction because a lot of people I play with are combo players and um, mm-hmm. uh, no thank you. I mean I'm a combo player too, and I if someone destroys my lands to stop me from putting off a con- combo, I I understand why. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I will say I, I'm I learned through combo as well. It's an interesting yeah. way to learn how to play the game. Like I had no idea how aggro worked for a while. Because That's, it, yeah. it, it's it's weird. Uh, I started during Champions of Kamigawa with damage on the stack, with Umazawa's Jit, and with Arcbomb Ravager. I had no yeah. idea how combat worked. <laughs> so I played uh, first deck uh, Flying Creatures, second deck was a Mill deck. Uh, it was a an, it was a Cheerio combo Mill deck. Okay. Um, then the third deck was four Flame Jabs, four Cinder Pyromancers, and 52 Mountains. 52 Mountains? That was the first deck I ever built myself. <laughs> Cast a a, play out a Cinder Pyromancer, and then Flame Jab, um, <clears throat> and retrace it for every mountain that I have. Gotcha. So every turn, dealing a damage, and then retracing for whatever most likely I drew a land. Yeah. Eventually, if I could get two Cinder Pyromancers out, there's just not much the table could do. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know... <laughs> it I, wasn't a brilliant deck, but it, it, it did a decent <laughs> job. And then eventually I started experimenting with it and put in some blue... Uh, I put in a couple islands and put in... Uh, what was it? Uh... I remember that. It's a, a two-mana uh, card where you, you flip until you get a non-land. You yeah. get all the lands in your hand. They did that so I could get more lands for retrace. <laughs> Just silly stuff like that. Because, uh, well, part of being a good player is if you don't understand how something works, instead of just hammering your head against it and trying it and putting in a lot of work, you try to find a way to get around what you don't know. Right. One of the reasons why I'm a combo player so much is because if you're at a disadvantage because you don't have the format knowledge or the money to uh, get to, to be at the same level as everybody else, yeah, you play a really weird, obscure deck that attacks the format in a different way so that they're at as much of a disadvantage as you are, because they have no sure. idea how to fight you. For sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think, um, personally, like, 
uh, when when 2020 happened, that catastrophe, mm-hmm. um, I found myself playing a lot of standard because I couldn't play EDH, mm-hmm. and uh, I found myself playing it playing it on Arena, and I got I got bought out of Arena fast. I was like, I don't have enough money to just pour into this so so consistently, uh, mm-hmm. Arena. Um, uh, looking at you, and there was nothing I liked more than winning a game that was against a deck that had, you know, four copies of a mythic that, that was so synergistic with their aggro style, uh, Winota, uh, and, um, and, and coming back from a near loss with a combo at the end of the game, like just, just, just suck it up for one more turn, get down to, to life and then just combo off. And like without the most expensive cards. And I, I do think that is, is, good for starting players like you're saying like um aggro decks can be very expensive uh i was trying to build a, a modern a storm deck and i'm like i could play modern storm if i had a lot of money um but i could play a sillier deck for cheaper um and i think i'm always going to be on the side of just play a sillier deck for cheaper because you're having fun, you might not win all the time, but when you do something silly, and this is something I love about Magic and, and the, the social aspect of it, is you're doing something silly, and even if you're playing against like hardcore players who have the money to spend or have been playing Magic long enough to have a good, uh, depthful uh, collection, they're still going to have fun seeing your combo, even if it's cheap. Because that's what Magic's about, is, is seeing fun interactions with this uh, massively... Um, variable game, like it's 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 gen- genuinely beautiful, and it's something I like about EDH specifically. Um, it's just the amount of fun nonsense you can get up to. Yeah, you hope that people are going to respect the nonsense and and uh, the grind and some of the uh, the silly decks that you play with. Sometimes you get people who are just arrogant and frustrating, frustrating and snarky, like a. I I you know I. You can, I think you can smell those people from a mile away. Personally, uh, at, at at local game stores, you know, you can kind of you can kind of weed out who's going to be that snarky person. Um, but even then, uh, I went to an EDH tournament recently um, with some, you know, hardcore almost CDH players. But you know, they're playing casual, so they're only playing their not quite CDH decks. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of my opponents, who I had known. Uh, through acquaintances, um, was one of the best players in, in the store, and he was playing in an Avison deck. You know, make everything indestructible, and you know he set up a good board state. He was he was so close to winning, and I was playing a food deck, a food token deck, and I got a a perfect looped combo going, and um, the two other people at the table were like, "All right, scoop," and and this guy who big hardcore player goes, no, 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 I, I'm not scoop. I want to see this go through. I want to see it go to completion because this is not going to happen again. And I'm like, that's, that's the right spirit. That's the right yeah. spirit about magic is, is seeing how the combo finishes. <clears throat> um, even when you know you're at a loss. Oh yeah. Um, there, there've been plenty of times where, um, I've been like playing for the top eight and so I knew that the judges were doing the deck check, and they would just laugh at whatever I played. Like, how did that even get there? Yeah. 
Probably the funniest was when I played a bridge burn deck. Um, <clears throat> so bridge burn is when you, you set up behind ensnaring bridge, and then you just chuck burn at the opponent. <laughs> um, but I played this in modern with Tybalt, the two mana Tybalt. Wow. And well, the best there. Tybalt. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't care what I put into the grave. I would trash for treasure the bridge back up. And Tybalt would reduce my hand size to the point where they couldn't they where they couldn't attack. So the finals uh, of that tournament, I was playing that bridge Tybalt bridge burn deck against a uh, an elf deck, and they were locked behind the uh, they're locked behind the bridge, and I ulted Tybalt and insurrection their board, and then uh, what was it? Uh, shrapnel blasted the bridge. Nice. <laughs> Sacked the bridge, dealt five to them, and then attacked them with their own elves. Nice. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, people hadn't, people weren't expecting that one. Uh, I used to love uh, Con Standard before the rest of the block came in. Con Satarkir. Uh, yeah, Con Satarkir. Uh, I had a Tamer ag- or a Tamer aggro control deck because there were so many cards that just countered spells but had additional abilities on them. Mind Swipe was my favorite because that was uh, a fireball that was also a uh, <clears throat> counter spell unless they pay X. What they never realized was it was a fireball no matter what, whether they paid the X or not. So it'd be something like uh, I'm just waiting for them to cast a spell so I can cast it and kill them, and they're like, "But I paid the X. My spell resolves." No, you paid the X. Your spell is not countered, but you die with it on the stack. Right, right. <laughs> no, that's 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 great. Uh, Mind swipe is such a fun card. <laughs> One of those. Um, I have a few different commanders that I haven't built yet that I'm considering, um, and I want to play with Mindswipe again. I missed that card. <laughs> it's a good card. It's a good card. <laughs> it's a fun card that people don't it's see a, coming. Yeah, exactly. So, the type of so we haven't talked about the the lings yet. The um, so the, the morphlings and such. But they're sure, yeah. really their own deck, to my knowledge. Say again? They aren't really their own deck, to my knowledge. No, the Morph- Morphlings are um, neat uh, cards with a lot of different uh, abilities that, that, can, that can fit in and be finishers um, for a lot of decks. I remember in Rav- Return to Ravnica's standard... Um, oh. Aetherling was a uh, finisher for a control deck, a uh, very powerful control deck, because it had it had the ability you needed, um, mm-hmm. which I, I think was just the plus one, minus one ability. Also um, had right of replication with it. Right. Um, and and so, so, so the, the, the Morphling-type cards are kind of catch-alls they fit into a lot of decks because they have a lot of abilities you know one of them can have plus one plus one ability activated ability for a blue mana which is you know weird on a blue card um rare rare on a blue card and then you can have you know 
uh, one with undying, you can grant it undying for a turn. And um, like that's, you know, they can fit into a lot of decks. So they, they're not so much their own archetype as they are just good fixers for decks that need that little extra spice. Yeah, there's a few uh, cool places like um, Experiment Crotch or uh, Necrotic Ooze. True. I mean, granted, there are infinite combos with those commanders as well, but this is a way to sort of lower the power and put cool niche abilities on them. Yes. Um, let's see. The, the Morphlings are... Um, you have... Uh, Brightling, which is the white one, one and two white pips. Um, and then you've got Morphling, which is the blue one. You've got Endling, which is the black one. You've got Torchling, which is the red one, and Thornling, which is the green one. And then you have um, Aetherling, which is another blue one. And then you have another blue one in an unset. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. It, a greater Morphling with... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different activated abilities. Um, and I, I, they're, they're maybe not my favorite shapeshifters, but they, they sure are cool just by, just by the amount of stuff they can do on them. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've wanted to do for a while, but not, not necessarily a shapeshifter thing, it could be a little bit, but uh, copy a Gideon that's animated into a creature. Okay, okay. And then you can use the plus abilities or a zero ability. You can't necessarily remove loyalty counters if it doesn't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to use the loyalty ability of... <laughs> I I mean, that's another beautiful thing with shapeshifters is is those little tricks. Um, uh, who Who's the... Uh, I forget the name of the dragon uh, planeswalker. Uh, not not Nicol Polis, obviously, Sarkin. but um, say again. Sarkin. Sarkin. Uh, his his uh, uh, War of the Spark ability to turn planeswalkers into creatures, Masterless, and yeah. and then copying them with shapeshifters and and all the wacky shenanigans <laughs> that you can get up, get up to by having um, planeswalkers that are also creatures, and mm-hmm. it's just the the way the game stacks is just nonsense, and I love it. Yeah, that's where even as a uh, when I was doing really well for a while as a as a, a pro, uh, my goal was never to win. It was there to win like a tournament or anything like that. It was to do something I've never seen before. Yes, and I still in, I very much enjoy doing that. Oh yeah, and I think I think shapeshifters are a great, um, great class of creatures uh creature type to to do those wacky shenanigans as as we've seen um because unlike elves and goblins um which have almost uh, a synergistic feel throughout you know the eternity of the game uh shapeshifters are constantly changing (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're always different and you're always going to be able to do something new and creative with them on the one hand, it's always going to be a fun, exciting game. On the other hand, sometimes it's difficult to figure out exactly what a winning board state looks like if everything on your board is kind of amorphous. Right. Well, um, do, you, do you want to talk about some of my shapeshifter decks sure. uh, for, for that? Absolutely. For context around that? Okay. Um, well, I actually found two while I was digging out my changeling EDH deck. 
Um, and I'll, I'll talk about the, the, the uh, Changeling one first, because uh, I think Changelings are, are by far my favorite creature type in Magic. Um, I, know, I know they're not a creature type, but my favorite type of shapeshifter within the creature type shapeshifter. Um, my, uh, I, I recently played this deck, and, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the Reaper King thing was a big part of that game, uh, at least one of the games I played against that group. Um, but it wasn't the scariest thing that happened to them in that game. Um, the deck is built around a couple cheap uh, changeling cards, like Changeling Outcast, uh, Shape Shearer, um, Unsettled Mariner, uh, Mass Vandal, etc. Uh, Universal Automaton, which I, I love as, a, as an artifact creature, shapeshifter, but changeling. Uh, love that card. Um, it is a Morophon, the Boundless deck, but I, I actually never cast Morophon. I just like Morophon as the commander because it is a five-color um, uh, ch changeling commander. Uh, but I never cast it because it never really ended up being important for the deck. Um, the, the main, I, it's, it, it is an aggro deck at its core with the main um, strategy being throw out a bunch of Anthem effects from cards like Drog Skull Campton, give them plus one plus, plus one in Hexproof, uh, Sliver Hive Lord, give them all indestructible, Elvish Champion, give them Forest Walk and plus one plus one, etc. Uh, it's, it's all about getting those Anthem effects, and, and usually with cards that, that don't just um, purely have an Anthem, but also have a, a secondary activated ability or triggered ability that, that does something silly, like uh, Captivating Vampire, other vampires get plus one, plus one, and then you can tap five on tap vampires and gain control of a creature an opponent controls, and it becomes a vampire. And uh, you could do that with Changeling so so easily. Um, you, uh, Katilda, Dawnheart Prime, is a more recent card um, from uh, the, the new Innistrad sets, where your your human creatures can now add one mana of any of their colors to the mana pool. And I, I, I like that... Um, in the deck, uh, but the the real winner of the deck to me, because I also have things like Liliana's Contract. If you control four demons with different names, you win the game uh, as an alternate win condition. But the World Tree from uh, Call Time was maybe the most fun card in the deck, with the ability to I, I have you know the slivers that grant all slivers tap to add a man of any color your pool and Katilda to ramp into some mana. Uh, and then the world tree, uh, white, white, blue, blue, black, black, red, red, green, green, sacrifice the world tree, which is just a regular old land. Um, and search your library for any number of God cards and put them onto the battlefield. And all of your changelings are gods. And this card was, it won me all the games I won. Um, oh, nice. just because I consistently got it out and I consistently ramped up and boom, I now have a, a, a massive, uh, board state and with cards, um, like, uh, uh, echoes of the past. I, I actually can't see that card in the deck right now. It may have fallen out. Um, or the, one of the cards that give all of your creatures that aren't on the battlefield, all creature types or a creature type that you choose, which I would name God. You can get things out like Sliver, Hive Lord, and now all of your gods, changelings, are indestructible as well. So, great, great um, combos I found in this deck. Uh, the one I, I didn't get to play but really like is um, uh, Peer Pressure, 
which mm -hmm. is a card that says choose a creature type. If you control more creatures of that type than any other player, you gain control of all creatures of that type. So if you've got one player uh, on your field, uh, on, on the battlefield, who's playing an elf deck, uh, so to speak, um, and there aren't, there are six or seven elves in the battlefield, your changelings are cheap and you can get them out fast. Get a lot of changelings out, and I have, you know, birthing bows to generate changeling tokens. Boom, you got more. Now you got all their elves. And uh, the only deck I don't think that would work against is something that uses, like, saplings and makes a lot of tokens or zombies. Mm -hmm. So um, a, a, fun, a fun changeling deck just playing off the fact that they are all creature types, and, and that's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, the other shapeshifter deck, which, um, is a little bit more, uh, a, not, it's not about changelings, but it, it plays off a cool new mechanic that I quite like the rules of, um, and its commander is Volrath the Shapestealer, as a Vorthos, I, I love Volrath as a villain, oh, nice. um, so... Volrath can put minus one minus one counters on target creatures, and then for one mana, turn into a copy of a creature with a counter on it, any counter, and it. But but its base power is seven five. Uh, it's Soltai, mm -hmm. and I I love Volrath, and I couldn't. It's not a great card because uh, you were talking, I think, before the the, the recording about the um, morph precon. Yeah, which Volrath came with. Yep. Uh, Vol Volrath really doesn't fit in that deck very well. Um, and uh, Volrath doesn't really... It, it's not exactly a very powerful commander. But I found it is very powerful with Mutate. Um, I I loved Mutate from Ikoria. Um, the idea of, of stacking creatures and turning them into new creatures but retaining their uh, core abilities with... Um, you know, start and start the game out with like a, a boggle, and and or um, uh, you know something small with hexproof that isn't a human, and um, and then make turning it into a, a massive archipelago with you know it's it, at that point it's got you know every time it mutates you get a land and every time it mutates you tap back target creatures and it just becomes so so massive and I was like you're in that deck in the in the morph deck you are focusing a little bit too much on one creature in my opinion you're 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 stacking your creatures so what if you mix that with shapeshifters and you can copy your big bad mutated creatures and and sultai just fit perfectly cuz the the mutate uh, precon was a sultai deck and i didn't really like uh, a trimmy or brocos um as commanders, but I, I liked having them in the deck because they're very cool mutate creatures. Oh, yeah, plus you need a critical mass of mutate creatures. It's exactly. also neat, though, to be able to copy the entire stack. Exactly. Um, Which is also something that got a little confusing because it's easier to see on, like, Arena where it has everything on it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, is, that is the biggest... Uh, hold uh back for this deck is it it <laughs> can get hard to to tell uh what creature is what <laughs> but um what i what i've become fond of because of this deck 
is using um, uh, dry erase index cards as my tokens. Oh, uh, do you have infinity marker. tokens? Say again? Do you have infinity tokens? I do not know what that is. Oh, okay. Uh, so Megan is uh, a member of the server, uh, my Skull Symbol server. I put you in contact with her. Uh, she ha she made uh, infinity tokens, which are kind of like, uh, they have two sides to them, um, but they are basically blank tokens with, with a little cutout for power and toughness, where you can draw your own picture on them or write on them with dry erase markers. Nice. Then in the back, there's just an open one that doesn't have the power and toughness, so you can if there's anything you need to note, sometimes uh, I'll even put on, like, with Pramacons out, which directions people can attack. Right. But yeah, it's it's a cool way of representing things that otherwise are difficult to represent, yeah, or that's, clones. Or... It's really the only way you can, can do that with a, a deck like this, um, where each creature is, is vastly different based on the mutate, um, uh, who it's mutated onto, who each creature is mutated onto. So that's that's really yeah stuff like that is is perfect for this. I'll, I'll have to look that up. I'll have to look that up. Uh, they're on Etsy, by the way. Oh, okay, cool. So I just put on the camera and show you real quick. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, she's uh, so Megan's awesome. She's also a teacher, and she uh, she does that. Cool, that's awesome. Yeah, get get those if you want to play a crazy mutate shapeshifter deck. Get get tokens from this Megan, and mm -hmm. and that way you can make sure your play group isn't super super confused. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um. I'm not sure if you're on Twitter or not, but I'm gonna tag her when uh, when this goes live. Cool. Uh, I just I just followed you on Twitter. Oh sweet. Oh you did. Okay. That was that was you. Okay. I be I believe it's you. It's it's at coach underscore, underscore j, j underscore, underscore r o Taylor Thomas. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, didn't mean to. No, it's yeah. I I dox myself on purpose all the time. You know, <laughs> come, come find me. Come and find me. <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> so speaking of which, where can people find you? If if um if you uh, if they like and if you'd like. Yeah. Um. You could follow me on Twitter at T Made Aesthetic. Um. I don't really post there all that frequently. I'm not not really into Twitter. It's too uh, uh it's too much vitriol for me. Um. So you can you can follow me on YouTube. I, I like my YouTube account a lot more. Um, my account is the greatest show in the galaxy. Uh, that is mostly for sketches um, and short comedy vignettes. Um, I'm also part of a podcasting group called The Dukes of Gaming. Um, also on YouTube, um, it's it's for uh, five five people from around the states um, with some background in game design or just enjoy gaming talking about the the news and gaming of the week um and you can find me there too um and those are really my my two main socials are, are youtube <laughs> well apparently this was an episode there was also an episode of doctor who okay yes it was named after good on you 
That's I, awesome. Most I, people don't get that. Um, I, know, I, yeah. I literally just looked it up to try to find you. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, most people, when they find out, like, they'll, they'll type in The Greatest Show in the Galaxy and see an episode of Doctor Who and go, is that what it's named after? I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Because uh, I wanted it to be more focused on Doctor Who when I first started the channel. Um, but I, I quickly uh, diverted away from that. But I think the name The Greatest Show in the Galaxy fits for, like, a catch-all, you know, YouTube channel. Nice. Does make it a little bit hard to find, though. That's true. It's a long name. <laughs> oh no, there's that, and everything that comes up on YouTube goes to Doctor Who. That's true, um, but if you sort by by profile, I, I'm usually the top one. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, mine on YouTube is bit.ly backslash on someone's skull. Right now, it's mostly gameplay vods, but I am working on putting some other content on there, uh, such you know, so including these uh, podcasts. <clears throat> nice. Have a visual to go along with them, thumbnails and, and such. We'll the whole kit and caboodle. Yep, I'll take a little bit of work still to get that to get that ready, but. Gotcha. It is basically the future of mean content creation because. Streaming is just way too draining right now with four jobs. Oh yeah, stream, streaming streaming's not great. Um, it's it's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I I found it in my, my uh, podcast due to gaming. We've we've struggled to get into the groove of streaming, um, but luckily there's five of us. So being able to kind of take one person can stream one day, one person can stream the next, and then we stream our show. And a uh, little fun thing about t uh, Twitch is is that you can re-air old material um, and kind of make it into a, a quasi TV channel. Um, so there there are there are little hacks you can kind of do to make streaming a little less strenuous. And you, you always got to be on. You always performing. Mm-hmm. Always be closing. <laughs> That's at least what it seemed like when I uh, when I worked in restaurants. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it has been wonderful talking with you. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thank um, you for oh, do, you, do you want Do you want to hear a quick little quick little aside about uh, why why shapeshifters are my favorite? Absolutely. I was going to say okay. thank you for shape-shifting into such a wonderful guest. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so my first, uh, my first Magic the Gathering experience uh, was in high school. Um, my boyfriend at the time invited me to come play a draft of um, Innistrad. And the first, I didn't play in the draft. I felt a little bit too... Um, uh, too new, too fresh to actually compete. So I just, I bought um, two packs of Innistrad and opened them. And I pulled Devil's Play and some other red, uh, Stormkirk Captain, I think. Um, and I, I two, the two red cards, I, I, I looked at them and I read them over and I watched people playing Magic and I was like, I just, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Like, 
that doesn't sound fun to me. Like, oh, Devil's Plate deals X damage to target creature player, flashback, whatever. Who, who cares? Uh, it, it really didn't click with me. And and um, later that week, I I had um, I had a secret room in my high school. I uh, I found the old radio station, um, which was which was kind of locked away, and I stole the keys from uh, the the theater teacher to gain mm-hmm. access to this old disused room. And it kind of became our clubhouse in the middle of the school. It was great. I loved it. But uh, I would hang out with my friends there. And my, my boyfriend came in at the time. And he's like, hey, I saw you didn't like magic when, I, when, when we went and played. Um, do you, do you want to try some, again? I bought you some packs. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm still, like, basically interested. And I opened the pack that he had bought me. And it was um, Evil Twin. Evil Twin was the rare. Mm-hmm. And now this card, I felt connection to. I was like, that clicks with me. I like that. Um, that is that sounds fun. Um, that's a little bit more interesting than just real, dealing direct damage. Uh, it was it was at that point I found out that my my core colors when it comes to playing Magic are, are blue and black. Uh, I I never liked red, and I never really liked green or white. So I I realized that like. Black and blue were the, the colors I wanted to stick with, and he helped me build a, a Demir um, control deck uh, around that card. It, it sucked; it wasn't good at all, <laughs> but um, it was fun. I liked I liked copying other people's creatures. Mm-hmm. And then um, later on, uh, after you know, kind of falling in love with clones, the clone clone card was great because it was a, a dime a dozen, and uh, it was it was exactly the effect I liked, which was copying things. I was also a uh, big theater student. I, I liked performing and putting on costumes and changing who I was on stage uh, frequently. I always uh, I was a little bit probably uh, not healthy for me. <laughs> the amount I liked taking on other personalities and just running with them. Um, I was uh, I, I played Bud Frump in our uh, local performance of How to Succeed in Business without really trying, and I really kind of became the character for a while, uh, where I was just kind of a brat. <laughs> just kind of a brat outside and inside. I was too much of a character actor. Um, but I, I, I loved acting and performing and changing my character. So clones and shapeshifters just kind of jived with me. Um, and then during a play, which I also uh, um, uh, got too into the character, the, the main character was uh, a misanthrope. Became too much of a misanthrope. Um, and I was kind of starting to wane out of magic, but a friend of mine was looking at my collection and saw that I had uh, Karn, uh, the the Karn that resets the game for its alt. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really played with it, um, so he offered to trade me his entire common and uncommon collection for Karn. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, done. Uh, that seems like a fair deal to me. Um, and, and he had played Lorwyn a lot. And that's when I first saw changelings. And I'm like, well, well, well. Shapeshifters that are every creature. I I love it. I, 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 uh, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in, in very uh, Scottish-Irish family households, um, a lot of our, our, like, bedtime stories and, like, the, the little uh, games we used to play as kids revolved around, like, trickster elves and, and these... Uh, creepy, creepy creatures that would come and snatch you in the woods, and it was always fun and spooky and great around Halloween and what. So, 
I, I already had like a uh, almost religious connection with the 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 the, the lore of changelings, and so you know from since then I've really just always loved shapeshifters. Um, they've always just kind of connected with me in a way that a lot of other magic cards and archetypes never did. So uh, of course I've branched out more now. You know the more well versed in the game I get, but mm -hmm. at at my core, shapeshifters all the way, baby. Awesome. It's really cool how you have that, that personal connection and how you kind of were a shapeshifter going uh, going with all these different con uh, costumes and all these different uh, <clears throat> all these different costumes and things that you would t uh, like disguises and such that you would take on and roles that you would take on. Yeah, I'm just uh, uh, I'm glad you didn't do any Shakespearean tragedies. <laughs> I did. I did Macbeth. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you for not I, I just played play Banquo, so it wasn't like I wasn't like I wasn't Macbeth. So luckily, okay, Banquo good. was just some cheeky friend, you know. Good. Thank you for not going method on that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much for being on. You've been a wonderful oh, guest, yeah. and Thanks I look for forward me. to talking to you again sometime. If there's yeah, another trap you ever want to talk about? Um, I'll use, uh, I'm going to be continuing doing this for a while, I'm hoping. They really like cool. this. Uh, really like this cast. And awesome. <clears throat> this is a lot of fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.